it may not yet have become apparent, but in fact, I may, I may exhibit the opposite tendency on many occasions, but I really like words, uh, where they come from, why we use them, the way that they're constructed. I say all that because this is a preamble, which is something that you do before you go for a gentle wander. And in column reading terms, in audio terms, I think that's precisely what's about to happen. This is the audio version of the column I write weekly for ESPN FC. I've been doing so since just after Spain won the World Cup in 2010. And I'm particularly grateful to two Jameses, uh, James Martin, who contacted me and started me for ESPN FC, and James Tyler, with whom I'm in contact almost every week about what to write, how to write it, when to deliver it. I've read um, on Twitter where he's prolific, almost as prolific as he is when he speaks or writes. I've read Sid Lowe talk about the weekend angst of, what's the story? Where's the angle? What to do this week? Because I often write for ESPN, usually do so on a Monday, for publication on a Tuesday, that brings the, the weekend angst really close. You want to communicate with people about the most interesting subject. Occasionally you want to shine a lamp on something that is interesting, but not everybody will have realised, or many may not know. And sometimes, by contrast, you're forced to go to the single dominant theme, something that you know everybody will be chasing after with their analysis, their opinions, their reporting, and that's equally good. This week I, I find interesting in the, the preamble is about the fact that, for my taste, the biggest story in town, by a long way, in micro terms, focusing simply on what happened, and in macro terms, focusing on the implications, the wider implications for La Liga, the, the obvious thing to write about was the, in my judgment, literally remarkable game, Sevilla 2, Real Madrid 3. It was vital for many reasons. For those of you who are watching La Liga live on Sunday night, where I was a studio guest, I made it quite clear then, I thought that by a long way, that was the title. Done. Real Madrid, champions in everything except for arithmetical proof. But the game was... If you'll allow me to, to go into the type of language we used to use in the playground in 1972, it was mental, absolutely mental. I think it showed a lot of the best of La Liga. It showed a lot of the best of football in Sevilla. But the thing that it showed most clearly is that Madrid are the best in Spain right now and for a host of reasons. This intro is longer and I talk about a preamble because by Monday night... It was sorely tempting to worry if I'd made a mistake. Cadiz winning at Camp Nou and beating Barcelona for the first time in their history is big enough. But Barcelona being in that game without Pedri, who's injured, without Pedri, who, since he was restored to the team after a long injury, Barcelona's point collection is at about just about 90% of points collected in the games Pedri's in. Without Pedri, their point collection is down under 50%. He's that important to them. Genuinely, 
This 19-year-old in his second season at Barcelona is that important to them. Barcelona losing also leaves them tied on points up there with Atleti, with Sevilla, Betis breathing down their neck. And with an injury hit squad where there's no guarantees that Gerard Piquet will be back for the game at Anoeta on Thursday against Real Sociedad with Pedri out for what looks like the season with Ansu Fati not quite ready um, to come back, we don't think. Certainly not flat out. Maybe in the squad for Thursday. Maybe. Who knows? But the key thing is this. They've been flat for three or four games now. The fact that prior to Xavi taking over, Barcelona's squad spent a long time training poorly under Ronald Koeman. The training effectively was lax. Not amateurish. Not people taking time off and lying hungover in the gym like it used to be with Ronaldinho Deco. But training sessions which in no way resemble the scientific excellence that is now needed to train a squad well and keep them fit all season. Nor the intensity which Barcelona require in order to keep on pumping out those top performances week in, week out. Effectively, the squad has performed with excellence, not from the first day of Xavi taking over, but probably from about December onwards, three, four, five games in for Xavi. Their football has been a revelation. It's been hugely enjoyable and gradually it became winning football. That's all fine. Great if you're a Barcelona fan. Interesting if you're a neutral. In blips, worrying if you were, for example, Real Madrid or... I suppose, any club that wanted to win the Europa League. Ultimately, what's happened is that instead of running out of juice towards the middle of May, when predominantly you've got your business done, Barcelona's mental energy, their intensity, has begun to seep out after thrashing teams for four, week in, week out. Smashing Napoli for four, Atleti for four, Valencia for four, Athletic Club for four, Ramadan for four. Now they resemble a, a sort of shadow of that side. And I think it's a little bit beyond their control. I don't think anybody's swinging the lead. I don't think skiving, in other words. I think what's happening is they're reaching for fifth gear and it's not there. It doesn't help when, for example, they lose their ball into the box where Araujo and, and Pique are both absent through injury and suspension. And Marc-Andre Terstegen makes a bad decision. But this is too much about the football. The reason that by Monday night, when I co-commentated for La Liga Television on the game with the excellent Tim Lee, Barcelona were left in a situation where having exited the Europa League, where they had a chance of winning the competition, there's no doubt about that, and, and no matter that they lost to Eintracht Frankfurt, looking at their squad and in normal circumstances, they should have, not by their name, we are Barca, not by their history, but because they have a squad good enough to do so. Anyway, they're out. It was a hell of a game on Thursday night. Absolute barnstorming. It was like a pub brawl by the end. And that chance of the Champions League by winning the Europa League gone, it kind of still looked as if they were a shoe-in for Champions League football via their performance in the league. That's vital because their 1.3 billion debt and their ability to try and meet financial fair playing imposed on them by La Liga, their ability to revamp the squad, 
add new signings, but also sign important players like Gavi, for example, like Arojo to longer-term contracts. All of that hinges upon Champions League participation next season. If they don't manage that, then Barcelona will be in the midst of a crisis of unparalleled nature. The fact that they're tied on points with a couple of clubs up there in the top four isn't the full picture. There's now a four-team race for three available places, given that Madrid have won their place, have won the title. And if Barcelona go up to San Sebastian on Thursday and lose, which habitually they used to do, then that race for three places will suddenly become a five-way race. With Barcelona, Sevilla, Atleti, Betis and Real Sociedad. There's only one team in that group that Barcelona win the head-to-head comparison with outright. That's Sevilla. Um, the head-to-head means that in this country, if two teams finish in the same league position on the same points, the first criterion to separate them is, well, who won better between the two? And in Barcelona Sevilla's case, it's a 2-1 aggregate um, towards Barcelona because of their 1-0 win at the camp now recently. In fact, the last time they played well. Were they to lose to Real Sociedad, which is the hypothesis I'm posing on Thursday, their goal average there, their, their head-to-head against Real Sociedad might be in jeopardy. They won 4-2 at the beginning of the season. So the nature of the loss, if they lost to Anoeta, and, and maybe they go there and win, but right now that's looking unlikely. If they um, lost heavily, or even lost, say, 2-0 to Real Sociedad, that head-to-head would be equal. The head-to-head against Atleti is aggregate equal, 2-0 defeat plus a 4-2 win. And at the moment, the the really interesting stat is that Barcelona lost at home to Betis and they've got a match in Seville against Betis coming up towards the end of the season, all of which says that it is at a time when the team look jaded, when Xavi is scrabbling around for solutions, where certain injuries are causing them real difficulties. Dest went off looking unhappy with a muscle problem on Monday night against Cadiz, having just been back from a a decent, a month-long absence. Barcelona are staring down the barrel. And if they want Champions League football next season, which is so financially vital to them, they're going to have to fight like a backstreet slugger. They're going to have to show massive, massive character. They'll need leadership on the pitch, which occasionally is absent. Maybe that comes from Pique and Arojo, which I think changes the panorama dramatically. Great theme tune panorama, by the way. And the long and short of it is that even though Madrid have sealed the title, the run-in to the Champions League deciding places is utterly, utterly compelling. And there will be a lot of people who are yelling for Betis and Real Sociedad to overturn the apple cart, to shock everybody, and to leave two of the big three, let's call that Barcelona, Sevilla and Aleti, out in the cold. Don't miss this. It's going to be, what would Vinny say? Emotional. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Now the column after a cup of tea from a Bob, Bob Mortimer train guy uh, mug, which I really love. Here we go. When Karim Benzema finally wins his first Ballon d'Or, as he surely must later this year, I sincerely hope that his first words are, I have to thank Vinicius José Pachal de Oliveira Jr. Right now, Benzema is playing the most beautiful football of anybody in any major league and has been doing so since the beginning of the season. It isn't simply about the vast flood of goals that he's scoring. In fact, these are the most prolific few months in his entire career. It's not even simply about the fact that he's taken Real Madrid's capacity to be the all-time comeback, don't you dare write us off kings of European football, and added extra tungsten-tough unbeatability thanks to a string of improbable admirable and unexpected goals. No, it's that his technical skills, decision-making, movement, passing, daring, creativity, self-confidence, heading, shooting, split-second reactions and impishness are precisely what the Ballon d'Or was invented to venerate. Benzema makes football beautiful in the truest sense of the word, like great art, great opera, Great cinema. Watching this man do his stuff makes the senses soar. However, anyone who doesn't see the connection between his partnership with Vinicius, as searingly unlikely as it is, and the Frenchman's elevation to a footballing level which surpasses anything he's produced in his already sumptuous career, hasn't been paying proper attention or doesn't understand football. Please tell me that prior to listening to this column, you were watching Real Madrid's They're Going to Do It Again come back from 2-0 down at Sevilla on Sunday. Although the arithmetic doesn't yet support this claim, it was the victory which guaranteed Madrid will be Spain's champions. Deservedly too. Moreover, it was a performance to warn Manchester City that despite them starting as favourites next week in the Champions League semi-final, Pep Guardiola's English champions have been drawn against an altogether remarkable set of characters who couldn't pick the word surrender out of a dictionary, even if there were arrows pointing to it. The culmination of Madrid's comeback was a goal, exquisite in creation and execution, which showed the 21-year-old Brazilian winger and the 34-year-old French winner at their best. Go back and watch that 3-2 goal if you haven't seen it. Vinicius, sprinting into a tiny gap where there seemed to be no room for his body, never mind for invention and anarchy, 
Then conjuring up a scooped back heel style pass to Rodrigo on the run. A cutback from the youngster before Benzema measured up his angles like a draftsman on a drawing board before leaving all number of Sevilla men sprawling, drooling and wailing as he clipped home the winner. I say this again. Although the argument about Benzema's greatness and the need for him to lift this historic Ballon d'Or award is about the excelsior nature of his play and the partnership with Vinicius, rather than pure stats, there's still no escaping the remarkable numbers that the two men are generating. When Benzema hit the net, defeated Sevilla and clinched what will be his fourth Spanish league title, he put himself within six of overtaking Madrid's all-time second top scorer, Raul González Blanco. If the Frenchman keeps scoring at his current rate, he'll achieve the feat by hitting his 324th for Los Blancos and becoming their second all-time scorer, approximately 150 games more quickly than the Spanish legend managed. That's simply off the charts. In Sevilla, Benzema was also making it 86 goals that he and Vinicius have either scored or assisted for Real Madrid this season. That's a jaw-dropping total, given that it involves somebody, Vinicius, whose highest goal total in any previous Spanish season was six. 86 is a better total of goals and assists this season compared to Lewandowski and Müller at Bayern, Messi and Mbappe at PSG, and nearly 30 better than Salah and Mane at Liverpool. With up to nine matches each for Benzema and Vinicius still to play in Madrid's colours this season, it's already a better goal assist total than in three of the seasons when the Frenchman was partner-in-chief to Cristiano Ronaldo between 2009 and 2018. Now, for my taste, part of what makes this partnership so delicious is simply the joy of watching it. Benzema, suede-headed, canny, padding all around the last third of the pitch, given absolute freedom of decision-making by his coach, given the ball whenever he demands it by the rest of his teammates, Benzema showing every ounce, every inch of what he's learned since making his debut for Lyon against Metz 17 years ago. Vinicius, sometimes a bit gauche, sometimes a bit genius. Massive grin, bewitching technical skills, occasional irrationality and irascibility, imbued with a don't-make-me-angry-by-kicking-me personality, flooded with the pure enjoyment of putting an opponent in knots. This is the kind of player who sells tickets and puts bums on seats. But partnerships aren't usually made by opposites. As the old song goes, you say potato, I say potato, let's call the whole thing off. You know, Benzema wasn't the only one in the Madrid squad whose patience not so long ago was paper thin because the Brazilian kid was so prone to mixing daftness with daring. It's just that the Frenchman was the one who was caught expressing it. Picture the scene. It's exactly 16 months ago. Madrid are getting a chasing at Gladbach. Benzema, grumpy and dispirited, is stomping back out for the second half in the company of left-back Ferland Mundi. Unaware that he's within range of the TV camera microphones, he's caught saying, mate, don't give the ball to him. It's like he's playing for the other team. It's Vinicius, their 20-year-old teammate that Benzema's talking about. A guy who needs support, counsel, coaxing, but he's getting a verbal caning which will hit the Spanish press within a couple of days. 
In partnership terms, stuff like that is potentially the death knell for trust, mutual understanding, for success. That's not the way it's turned out, but you see the threat, don't you? Nor did the numbers initially augur something great. The first game together when one of them scored? November 2018 against Valladolid, when Vinicius' wild effort went in somehow. First game in which they both scored? Three months later, when each hit the net in a 3-0 win over Alaves. First Vinicius' assist for Benzema? Ten days later, on the 13th of February 2019, when Madrid won at Ajax. And then the gaps. Then the simmering French frustration which boiled over in Mönchengladbach that night. It took from that Amsterdam assist two years ago until earlier this season in the home defeat against Sheriff for the Brazilian kid to serve Benzema another goal in the Champions League. Nevertheless, just look at them now. At 2-0 down and out against Paris Saint-Germain with half an hour left, Vinicius looks up when he's on the byline and threads the ball onto Benzema's right boot. Precisely the thing he was accused of not doing previously. Against Chelsea, 20 minutes into the quarter-final first leg, Benzema's right foot punch pass, beautiful, sends Vinicius down the left wing, and this time he doesn't look up. Instead, instinct guides his radar, and he puts the ball right into Benzema's path for the greatest header of the striker's career, and a 1-0 lead in London. Against Chelsea, on the ropes, 3-1 down at home in the return leg, 3-3 on aggregate, 15 minutes away from penalties, and again, Vinicius gets the ball wide left. And Benzema has taught him. Life with Le Roi Francais has helped this phenomenal kid think quickly and act effectively. It's taught him the feel of crucial moments. It all comes together in that instant against Chelsea, who could have been 5 or 6 nil up in that second leg. Vinicius stops, allows his strike partner to dart towards the front post, thus fooling Rudiger, and then deliciously the Brazilian holds on to his delivery until the German centre-half is in the wrong place. Benzema has retreated three steps and is therefore in splendid isolation. The cross is perfect, the header a peach. Madrid, fired by the best ever Benzema and his new buddy Vinicius, are 180 minutes away from another Champions League final. You know, Benzema, or let's call him Ballon d'Or Benzema, agrees with me about the importance of the beauty of his football, irrespective of how seductive the statistics might seem. He recently argued, nowadays too many people don't bother to look at what a player does in a match only at who scores. Next day in the headlines, he's the best. That's happened to me. Bad game, but I score and I'm eulogised. That's not the kind of football I like. It's not how I understand things. When I play, I try to show respect, respect for the game. So when I see a teammate in a better position, I definitely don't think, wow, maybe I can score instead. I simply pass him the ball so that he can convert the easier chance. I try to improve things for those around me. That includes Vinicius. Back to quotes. People remember what I said about him in Mönchengladbach, but these days he's nothing like the player he was then. Ask him. It was clear to me he had so much more to produce. 
Now, with a few words, a few indications on the pitch, I showed him important things about playing in the last 30 metres. Now he takes the right decisions about shooting, about crossing, about lifting his head so that he can see the picture in front of him. He's doing what he should have been doing for some time. Vinny is young, but he's very good. Now, there's nothing needed to be said to him. And Vinicius, speaking to UEFA, backed up the narrative. Quotes. Karim's a great person. Since the beginning, he's always given me support and confidence. But mostly, it's about his tips on the pitch. It's a dream come true to be playing with him. Somebody I could once only see in video games. His quality is incredible. I have never played with a forward at the level he plays. He's different from the rest. Yes, Vinicius, he's better than the rest. So, right now, Vinicius and Real Madrid need to give thanks to Benzema for having educated the 21-year-old, whose brain currently keeps up with his blistering pace. By December, when he's lifting the Ballon d'Or, I'd love to hear Benzema admitting, Thanks, kid. I owe you. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.